Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have... Mike, stop continues. Yes, we do. It's so good. (laughs) Yes. He's talking about websites, all about like what you need and why you need one. And they have, he has built some really interesting software that Mm -hmm. sounds very helpful. I haven't used it, but it Mm -hmm. sounds like exactly what authors need. So yeah, I saw it demonstrated. He and his husband, Oliver, uh, they have built the software. Mike is a coder. Oliver's a graphic designer. And I saw it demoed at 20 books, Vegas, and it is unbelievable. It's so great. Also, it's so affordable. It's Mm -hmm. really, really amazingly affordable for new authors and well, any author, but especially new authors. And um, so we'll let Mike tell you all about it, but it was, so we talked about that. Yeah. He's got great tips on like what you need on your website and how to help people navigate and we talk mm-hmm. about press kits, stuff that, you know, I hadn't really thought about before. Mm-hmm. So me either. Me it's either. really good. Really yeah. Good. And trends talk about trends yes. and what's coming up, when we to did. follow them and when to ignore them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't have any news this week. Uh, well, none that I want to share on the, on the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been a week around here. So, uh, but if you'd remember my family, and your thoughts and prayers, we'd appreciate it. So Sarah, what's been going on with you? Okay. Well, I have news and it was that we had a mom raccoon and a baby raccoon in our attic. (laughs) (laughs) And I will bring this back around to writing here in a second. So it took us like, I don't know, a week to get it Mm -hmm. all clear, get them cleared out, rehomed Mm -hmm. and make sure there were no more. And then close up the holes outside our house and in our ceiling and Mm -hmm. walls. So that's all done. So I sent a newsletter today to my um, list and mm-hmm. I, you know how you can split test yeah. what you have. So I put one line, I put uninvited guest and a little uh, emoji con thing of the, uh, mm-hmm. of a raccoon. raccoon. Mm-hmm. And then on the other one, I just put raccoon y'all exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> and guess which one is performing the, the better. Best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's an example I talked about, you know, what had happened and yes, uh, yes. you know, what I've been doing lately. So that was just like a little slice of life thing that I put in yeah. there. And then I talked about books, but man, that got people clicking. And it was like something mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, mm-hmm. like just, but it is a little unusual. So, mm-hmm. so split test and see what you can find. Yeah. That's something I don't do enough. I really just don't do it enough, mostly because I'm lazy, but I just don't. <laughs> I can't doubt. I don't do it. Well, ConvertKit does it automatically. They have oh, like, you can nice. choose, you put two in and then it, it serves like, I don't know, a percentage of them go out and then they wait like an hour or two and they test and whichever one does the best, then the rest of your list gets the one that got the most clicks. So you don't even have to do anything. I don't oh, do much great. like yeah. split testing like that. So. That's good. That's good. So yeah. That's so that is like the most excitement we've had and that's been a doozy. Never had that before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's always fun when you get a critter. Oh my it goodness. doesn't belong. Yeah, I know. And once the, you know, once they were out in the cage, they were pretty cute, but they weren't yes. so cute at two o'clock in the morning. 
when they're going <laughs> walking around. Yeah. 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 I hate so, that sound. Yeah. All right. Well, we should get to the podcast because it is fabulous. All right. So here is Mike. All right. Today, we are really excited to talk to Mike Stop Continues. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. And we're glad you're here. We've yeah. been wanting to talk to you for about a couple of months now. So we've yeah. got lots of questions. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thanks for having me. I'm super happy to be here. I can't wait to uh, get started. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let me read your bio and then we'll get into the questions. Um, Mike founded Site Arcade to help authors spend less time marketing and more time writing. As a writer himself, he advocates free speech, free culture, and free ice cream. Yes. He's a practicing stoic and an avid futurist. <laughs> so um, what's your favorite ice cream? I have to ask very quickly. Oh, uh, uh, butter pecan. Oh, mm, there, nice. you there you go. Okay. Or as we say in Texas, but a pecan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you you uh, you really uh, geolocated me right there. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> Even though you are in Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I I I've managed to incorporate y'all into my vocabulary. I'm working on go. the rest of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. pecans next. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, tell us how you got started working with. Well, first of all, tell us what Side Arcade is. I think that's probably. Uh, yeah. a good place to start. Yeah, great. So Site Arcade is a new kind of uh, author website hosting platform. So um, with us, when you sign up, you paste in your Amazon author profile URL. We immediately pull all your data from Amazon. We generate a color palette based on your book covers. Mm -hmm. We generate uh, brand assets like uh, like uh, fave icon and fonts based on your genre. And then uh, within a minute, you have a website ready to go. Now, naturally, you could tweak it you know, before you bring it live. But the really cool part is that every time you publish a new book on Amazon, it automatically gets added to your site. And we automatically promote it in place of your you know, uh, mailing list sign up for a couple of weeks following launch. Same thing if you run a deal. Same thing if, we, if you uh, launch a, a pre-order. Automatically gets promoted. And then the site falls back to you know, driving people towards your list or whatever you have your uh, regular call to action is. So the idea is that you sign in to sign up with Site Arcade, you build your website once, and then you could never sign in again, knowing that your website is doing what you expect it to be doing. And so that's uh, basically, you know, my husband and I, we're both authors, you guys know this. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm a decoder, he's a graphic designer, and we didn't want to maintain our own websites. And so <laughs> we started talking to other authors, and we realized that no author wants to maintain their website. And so we thought, let's come up with a solution for that. Right, yeah. right. That's just so, like a dream come true. It's I think. amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> really and truly, it is. I mean, the fact that you could run a sale, and I mean, and I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to my website and the pre order link is still up for my mm -hmm. book, and that book's been published like a month and yeah. I didn't change yeah. it. So the fact that all of that just happens in the background is amazing. I love it so much. Yeah. So now tell us how you got started working with authors. Ah, okay. So, uh, so as I mentioned, uh, Alvaro and I, uh, Oliver Altair and myself, we're both authors. And, uh, and like I said, we, we, uh, like we found that we had this problem that we didn't want to maintain our websites. And then we saw that no other author did. And it was worse for other authors, I think, because, um, I think many of us, uh, you know, aren't programmers by day and so don't have the same sort of technical skill, maybe don't feel comfortable with graphic design or don't feel comfortable with copywriting or any of the, that stuff. And most importantly, authors 
are so time-strapped because one, writing novels takes a huge amount of time compared to basically any other thing that you could be doing. And then on top of that, you have to market, you have to network, you have to, you know, you have to promote in a gazillion ways, learn how to run ads, learn how to do a million things that you never expected you would do when you signed Mm -hmm. up for being an author, right? And so like the fact that websites are very important and also very often neglected, it, it just meant that it was something that we had to do. That's yeah. so great. It is yeah. such a need in the community, really in any community that <laughs> needs a website, but but especially the author community, because um, that also takes a set, a different part of your brain to do. Like if you're in creative mode, mm-hmm. for me, it takes a different part, even though you are being a little bit creative, it's a different kind of creative. And so um I think, I think it's just great. I think it's answering a, a, a big need in uh, the community. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of the things that have come out of the author community that authors see something, they're like, oh, this, this really, we need a fix for this. And then they create it. Yeah. So, like book funnel. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, perfect yeah. example. And may you have the success that book funnel has had. <laughs> From my uh, lips to God's ears. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a nightly uh, fantasy of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Damon, I hope you hear this. (laughs) Um, What do you wish authors knew about the field of website development? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think the the biggest thing that uh, every author decides at some point they're going to build their website, right? And they don't realize just how long it's going to take and just how painful it's going to be, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if this is your first time building a website and you have to suddenly learn not only how to set up uh, either WordPress or, or, you know, Squarespace or Wix or one of those, Mm -hmm. but also you have to learn layout. You have to learn typography. You have to learn color. You have, and then you have to learn, you know, search engine optimization and how to make it look good on mobile and how to make it accessible to people who, uh, you know, are hard of, hard of sight. You know, like there's a million things that go into making a website. And I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is just the amount of time that goes in. I typically recommend to authors that you put a price on your time. You know, how much are you worth per hour, either by your day job or by how much you would get paid for writing that next novel at that time? And then you you see if it's going to be worth a few weeks of time to put together a website, or if we would be better to to pay for maybe a you know a, a tool that does it for you, for instance, Site Arcade, or mm-hmm. if uh, if you're on the high end of things and you really 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 want to make the next you know Wizarding World website and you want to pay a professional to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know it, I think in some cases it does make sense to build your website yourself, but I think in most cases your time is better spent writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Most of our, most things, our time is better spent writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even if you do decide to hire it out to a developer or designer, then you have to research that and you have to find somebody. And that's like a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. So right. I think yeah. that something that's kind of like a plug and play solution for authors is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one also, one, one thing about that is that um, whenever you outsource, um, I think the first thing that you really have to do is be competent enough to know what good looks like. Right, because uh, if you yeah. if you start throwing money out before mm-hmm. you know what a good whatever it is, whether it's if you're paying a social marketing manager or you're paying for a website, you need to have some 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 knowledge going in. It doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, it could mm-hmm. be reading a few blogs or something, but at least knowing that you're going to get something that'll be valuable to you in the future is important. Right. So, Mike, speaking of the value of something, tell us how much uh, Site Arcade is, because I think this is like part of the the best one of the best parts of it so 
Yeah, so uh, so Site Arcade, uh, we have uh, three plans. Uh, two of them are out now, and our pro plan is in development. So our if you're pre-published, if you haven't published your first book, we have a $75 per year plan for you that uh, includes uh, custom domain and email. Then if you're an early author, right, we have an early author plan that's out now. It's, you know, up to five books. And for that plan, we charge $150 a year, also includes a custom domain and free email. And then the pro plan that we're working on now is the sort of like uh, fully featured everything website. And that's $300 per year, same as, you know, custom domain, custom email addresses. And $300 a year is basically uh, comparable to what you would have to pay for Wix or Squarespace or something like that. Far mm-hmm. cheaper than you would have to pay for the number of WordPress plugins and themes that you would get. Mm-hmm. And we charted that, that price point because uh, one, it's it, 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 our value is just, I, I think, is so much higher because our tools are all geared towards making your life as an author easy mm-hmm. rather than Wix or Squarespace, which is where you're building the page one block at a time and right. nothing is custom for authors. With us, everything is for authors. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's amazing. And I love the fact that it's below a hundred dollars for someone new because they don't have a lot of money, but it is important to have a website. But I usually tell people in my consulting, like your website should be the last thing you do because it costs you money and you don't Mm -hmm. have that money. But Mm -hmm. if it's something you could do for $75 or even $150, I would say, yeah, put that on the list because that is money well spent. I, yeah. I just love that. Yeah. I, I think that's so and awesome. Real quick, would you advise authors to have a website? Do you feel most authors need a website? Yes. And I also think that they need a website early. Now, look, first thing you want is a mailing list, right? Yeah. Everybody knows that. I'm not going to dispute that. But the second mm-hmm. thing I think that you want is a website. One, because it points to your mailing list. And two, because it starts building your brand and your presence online, right? No matter what, what social platforms you decide to be on, they're going to point to this place, right? This place is your hub. This is the, the canonical place where you live. And so you want to be able to promise readers what experience you're going to deliver when that first book comes out so they know that they should care about you, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's the one thing that that you get. Also, I guess there's a secondary thing here, which is that a reader needs to know that you're going to be worth eight hours of their time. And so looking like a pro online makes a difference, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely it does. And uh, yeah, so it's going on the list up high when I have my consultations and <laughs> Um, because I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I have been surprised and I was a late adopter to this and I'm embarrassed to even say this, but I had a free novella that I was giving away at the end of a book. And just a year and a half ago, I was like, you know, I should probably give that away on my website for a newsletter sign up. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for two and a half years at that point or something. And I had just and the the difference in signups from them just signing up to nothing to signing up with something is amazing. But I mean, I didn't really understand the value of, even of that. I didn't even understand. Yeah, that. yeah. And I think we feel like that there's not like like nobody's going to come to our website. Nobody's no. going to find it. But like when I go look at my stats and stuff. Most of the time, the top result is Sarah Rosette books in order, mm-hmm. you know, and so people are searching and if they, if I can, they can come to my site and find what they need and it's, you know, well done, then that's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want them to be clicking around the internet going, oh, I just want to know where book two is, what it is. Mm-hmm. And Amazon search is terrible. So 
we want to make it easy, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for being that your website is always going to be your first result on Google, unless there's a lot of people with your name, in which case you probably chose a pen name anyway, but your, your website's going to be the top result. And so when somebody searches for you, either because they heard you on a podcast or maybe they saw you on, on social media or some friend told them about you, you want, you want them to have some place to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Mike, what do you wish you'd known about indie publishing and or working with authors when you, you know, looking back? Uh, you know, the one thing that I really wish I would have known going into uh, the in, being an indie author is that um, if you want to get rich from your writing, you need to treat your writing like a business first. You know, writing has to be a business first, which means that you have to do a lot of work in terms of educating yourself about every part of running a business, not just an author business, but a real business if you want real business results. Mm-hmm. And you need to make decisions with your business hat on. That said, the second thing I learned after I got real depressed that I wasn't becoming a a millionaire of books was that it's okay if you don't want to get rich from writing, right? You can go, you could be anything from either being the next Michelangelo and just making every book you can off the books that you publish all the way down to you publish the exact books that you wish were in the world. And you could be anywhere in between there. You can make enough money to be, you know, to be self-sustaining, but, and just comfortable or, 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 or greater or lesser than. And I think that that's really important because as authors, when we hear people on podcasts, when we go to conferences, when we read books about success stories, or it's easy to get caught up in somebody else's dreams instead of our mm-hmm. own dreams. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I would have made much different choices had I known myself well enough going into being an indie author than I ended up doing. Oh, such a good answer. And I, I mean that sincerely. That is <laughs> such a good answer um, because... I think a lot of us don't think about that um, until we're maybe our backs are against the wall sometimes, and then we have yeah. to reevaluate. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I think the default is that you're going to make all your income with your books, your fiction books, mm-hmm. and that's the dream, you know. Yeah. And if it works out, that's great. But oftentimes it doesn't, and it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't do other things besides mm-hmm. write your fiction books. And sometimes it takes the pressure off to do other things yeah, and just kind does. of do that on the side that you're both your side hustle instead of your main income. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a really good model too, because I mean, like all throughout history, people were even the biggest names mm-hmm. were not uh, making the, the bulk of their money from writing, right? They were mm-hmm. writing the books that they wanted to see in the world. And I think that's really important for books. That's important mm-hmm. for readers and it's important for us as, as creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very well, good. What do you see authors doing that they're doing because they think they have to, but aren't producing results? I think the biggest one that I see is uh, authors chasing trends. And this comes in a few different forms. One of them is jumping onto every single new social media platform just because it exists. And I think that, and there's definitely a place for being on social media, but I think it's better if you focus on the one or two where you're really good, what really matches who you are as a person, right? Yeah. Not not racing to the next place because somebody else is there. Um, similarly, uh, there's these marketing tactics crazes that that mm-hmm. happen. So, like right now, the one is Kickstarter, and Kickstarter's great, and I'm sure it's going to make a lot of people money. But just because Kickstarter's hot right now doesn't mean that you have to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You need to know what your strategy is as an author first, mm-hmm. and you need to you need to pick the tactics that are going to 
uh, you know, synergize with the direction that you're already headed in. Last but not least is tropes, right? So tropes <laughs> come and go. Some authors who are very, very fast can hit those tropes as they, as they reach the top of the charts. But most of the time, I think it would be better for authors to focus on core emotions and write those books, right? Mm -hmm. Write about love and envy and, right. and revenge and the stories that people are going to be able to read in 20 years, let alone, you know, 200 right. years, right? <laughs> right. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Especially the trope thing, like just writing, really the writing the emotional book, the book that's going to, it's the book you want to see in the world, but it's also the book that you want people to experience yeah. and emotion gives people mm -hmm. the experience. And so mm -hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. Very good answer for that. Mike, what are the most common mistakes you see uh, authors making? Uh, I think this one, uh, I, I would, I would have to say uh, not systematizing their business. Right. And so I think there's a lot of things that you could do to sort of like organize your to be become more productive. But one of them is like what figure out what are the tasks that you do over and over and over again and like break those down into a a, a uh, like a process. Right. Optimize that process, document it. And that way, whether or not you're ready to outsource now or sometime in the future, you have it ready to go. And the second thing that where there's a benefit to that, to looking at a process in that way, is that you can start to figure out how to stack things. So you can you can clump all of one sort of activity, you know, on one day of the week, and then you free yourself up to be, you know, to do maybe more creative work on the other days. I think another version of this is um, I'm a big outliner. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is, but I'm a big outliner. And I think that one thing that you can do to improve your process in terms of outlining or whatever is, is document your process, like figure out what, what you typically need when, while writing a book so that you can prepare it upfront. Right. And mm -hmm. so you have that process there and then, you know, you know, you, you did your outline and now you're in the book and now you realize, Oh, I really wish I would have done this upfront. Well, add that to your process for outlining so that the next time you run down that checklist, you make sure that you're ready to write this book. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm, I'm feeling somewhat attacked, but I, <laughs> I do feel like it's a really good answer, but I do feel somewhat attacked because that is probably my biggest problem. I, yeah. I would say that's my biggest problem. So yeah, that's yeah. the mistake I make. Yeah. I think that it's a great strategy and it's taken me a long time to figure out because a lot of times it's just like, I have an assistant and she helps me so much, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, it's just be so much faster if I do this myself. But if I just take a little time, and make like a workflow for her, then I can give it to her and she can do it over and over again. But it's just like taking that time. And for years, I just, you know, now I'm like, oh, I wish I had started making these workflows years ago, but you know, got to catch up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, one, uh, one thought uh, that, uh, that I've heard people doing recently is they use Loom. It's like a, like a video recording tool and mm -hmm. they just talk through their process and they share their screen. And so it's a, they record what the process is so they can hand it off to a VA, mm -hmm. but they don't have to, you know, but you don't have to sit down and, and literally type every line. Oh Could man, be that something would be great. So. Yeah, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. It's a free software and it? it's like L O O M. Like they have a free version. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 That's we'll a really that good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. So you work with a lot of different authors and a lot of different genres. Um, do you, and we talked about like not chasing trends, but what trends do you see like with websites and, you know, what's um, hot right now? Is there something that people should lean into? Is there something that you're like, oh, don't even worry about that? That's so 
to winning whatever 2002 or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, you know, one thing I would say to this is um, that uh, the best place to look for, for new strategies or new techniques or, or what's working is outside the author genre, mm. outside the author mm. community, particularly look at the, um, the, the sort of the self-identified like content creators, right? Look at, you know, the, or the creator economy, look at what those people are doing because they're very similar to authors in that mm-hmm. they produce content, right? Mm-hmm. And then they, they sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they tend to be uh, like early adopters of things. And so mm-hmm. they're right on the cusp of, of, uh, of modern mo- uh, marketing strategies and, st- and, you know, and things like that, that I think lots of authors could benefit from incorporating into their, uh, into their workflows. Yeah. Okay. That's a great idea. Do you have any um, suggestions of things that you see kind of in the marketing world that could be adapted by authors? I've actually got a real big one. Um, and that one is, um, there's been this movement in, um, in the content creator space and in the sort of uh, software development space, which is basically um, sort of an, having an audience first mentality. So mm-hmm. rather than um, writing to a genre, for instance, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. what most authors do, right? Instead, you go and you find a community that you want to write books for, right? Whether you find them on some subreddit or you find them on Twitter or you find them on TikTok, wherever it is, you find where, where the readers that, that you really want to write for live. And then you start interacting with them as a fellow fan of the thing, right? So, so you build, you, you, you join the community and then you start asking them questions about what they would want to see in the next book. Like, what book do you really wish was in the world? Like, you know, you, you ask what, what was, you know, the most recent thing that you read missing, right? You could be very specific and you could ask them lots of questions and they're going to tell you because you're one of them, they're going to tell yeah. you what they really want to see in the world. The nice thing is that the very next thing you could post in that group is I'm going to write that book, right? I'm, I'm going to write the book that meets, you know, check, 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 check all of your criteria. And because they know you and because you are serving them directly, exactly what they want, they are going to be heavily invested in seeing that work succeed, right? So built-in audience ready to advocate for your book when it comes out. You can continue giving them status updates, letting them know how the process is going, asking them for feedback, right? Building, you know, writing that book in public. And, uh, and, and, and again, you have advocates instead of readers, right? Instead of uh, people who are simply interested in the tropes that you're serving in KU, instead you have people who will pay a premium for the thing that you are giving, that you are making for them as if they were your patrons, right? Yeah. Um, so that works really, really well. Um, there's a great book on it um, called The Embedded Entrepreneur. It's by this guy, Arvid Kalb. And uh, reading it, I could not help but think about authors because I saw just, uh, just a perfect example of how uh, writing to market has led people a little bit astray because I think it gets away from this. It gets away from the fact that you are serving human beings. And so you should be treating them like human beings and, you know, let them respond accordingly. Yeah. So it's all, it's based on relationships, basically. Like, you know, that your reader, you know, Marge loves country home mysteries and she's going to be excited to find this one. You know, that makes a huge difference difference in the way you think about your books, I think. Yeah. Well, and I've seen this happen on TikTok uh, a couple of times where, where TikTok users, they were authors when they got on, but they had just started writing their book, but they were, they had also been fans of, let's say dark romance or reverse harem and already posting on these sites and had, and then they 
create this community or they don't even create it. The community's there and they just sort of fit in and are serving this community what they want. And I mean, there've been a couple of TikTok authors that had no books out and they launched like top 100 or something simply because they had that community already on TikTok. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, that was it. That was just oh, yeah. thinking that that was, I wish that were me, but it, I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but it is just great when people do it. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess one thing is I think that it, this opportunity is always open to all of us as authors, right? Like there's always that, that opportunity to just, to just participate in a community and just give them, give them what they're looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just wanted to say, cause I know uh, probably a lot of authors out there are, are thinking that um, they're too introverted to do something like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to remember that like uh, nobody is too introverted to go on Reddit and, and, you know, write some comments talking to other people. Nobody's too introverted to mm-hmm. ask a question, right. In a group that they've participated in before. Mm-hmm. Everybody can do this. I think that this that's the most important part of this here is that there's a whole world of people who are looking for the books, looking for new books. You just have to let them know that you're going to write one for them. Yep. Yeah, I love that. I love that. How have you seen indie uh, publishing change over the last some years? <laughs> so um, big one, I think, is that uh, the uh, the indie industry is no longer the Wild West, right? Mm-hmm. The beginning, people could just mm-hmm. show up Right. And it, there was gold in the river, right? Right into town. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not like that anymore. Right. Yeah. If you want to succeed as, as an indie author, you have to have great ideas. You have to have great execution. You need to market consistently and you need to be persistent. You need, you can't give up, right? You have to keep trying new things, keep learning new things and keep getting feedback and adapting to that feedback. And you'll, you'll get there. It's just that you can't just expect the money to just, you know, rain down on you simply because you arrived. Yeah. Yeah. I think everything is maturing because now I see authors making decisions very much like publishers used to, you know, like used to, we were just writing whatever we wanted and put it out there. And now people are thinking, oh, if I can write to market, then I can, you know, have a more successful book. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to write this series anymore because it doesn't do as well as this one. I mean, that's exactly what traditional publishers have done for years. So I feel like we're kind of getting to that point where things are, we're behaving more as a mature industry. Yeah. To that end, I think that there's a, a second thing that's going on now, which is that uh, the the book market, the same thing that happened to every other market has happened to the book market, which is that every book that has ever existed is available to buy today, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So we, ha- we have a flooded market. And the thing about that is, is that it's great because anybody could jump in, but mm-hmm. there's this challenge of standing out in that market. And so I think that the next wave that we're going to see is of different forms of curation that help to elevate uh, the really good work um, to, you know, t- into the spotlight. And so I think that there's a, a major niche for authors who want to go into, uh, let's say, doing a newsletter where they recommend great books in their in their um, in their genre, or who want to or who want to be an editor for a zine, right, and get short stories from authors who are in their genre, and just elevate really good writers, right? Because part of the problem with this with the market is that since they could since since a reader could read literally every romance book that's ever been written, it's a very it's very hard 
to get them to see your book when you've, you know, when you've just first published it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's very true. Very true. And that is a way that authors can lean into providing information for their readers and kind of helping them curate, you know, like you can curate the content and say, Hey, if you like this type of book, here's some new books, or here's a classic that you might not have heard of. And it's a way to share with your, and, you know, the readers are happy because, you know, they want more books mostly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wanted to circle back to some of our questions that uh, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. Um, we talked about why an author needs a website, but um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was uh, what are the characteristics that make a really good, a great author website? Like what would you recommend authors definitely need on their website? Okay. So um, the, the, uh, I think that the key to making a really great website is is putting yourself in the shoes of the person who is coming to your website. And mm-hmm. so in the case of an author website, we've got four kinds of people. We've got potential readers, right? Mm-hmm. People who are just curious about who you are. We've got fans who want mm-hmm. to go deeper into what you have to offer. We've got mm-hmm. peers and industry industry professionals, people who might might want to collaborate or you know invite you to a project or mm-hmm. anything like that. And then last but not least, we've got uh, the media. Now, in in the case of indie authors, it's probably going to be bloggers and podcasters. But look, if you're if you're setting up press kits, it could very well be traditional media, traditional book reviewers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is, is that you've got to cater to these four different groups of people. And so, in their shoes, when you're when you're going to design a website, you have to think uh, about what they're going to be thinking when they arrive. And so questions like, am I in the right place, right? Like, <laughs> how is it clear that I am at the website of the author who I who I think I should be? And right. then uh, for people who know what they're looking for, how do I find X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. You have to make it easy for them to find the core things that they're looking for. Um, what do I do now, right? You have to give them clear calls to action and not too many, right? Mm-hmm. One primary one, which is going to be sign up for your list. And then secondary one, which is going to be buy your books. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the third is going to be, you know, send you an email or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you also always want to give them a reason to return to your website in the future. Mm-hmm. So at Site Arcade, we have this um, work in progress widget where you can, um, you know, uh, you could include what book you're working on now on the site and you can give status updates so that every mm-hmm. time a reader comes by, they could see that maybe there's some changes, maybe there's some news. And it invite it reminds them that you're, you're a living human being where <laughs> there is going to be news if they return mm-hmm. someday. Right. right? So, um, so things like that. You have to think about, uh, uh, you know, you have to think about uh, where... Uh, uh, what the what your visitor is going to be looking for. Um, another part of it is that uh, I think a great website, especially for an author, has a very very strong brand. And by brand, we're talking about basics like you know your pen name, your headshot, your bio, your tagline. But we're also talking about the secondary characteristics like your brand color and color palette, your font choices, uh, your fave icon or logo icon. Um, all of these things together, they convey exactly what it is that you bring to the table in your books, because unless a person's read you, they don't really know what you have to offer. And even if a person has read you, maybe they need a refresher. Maybe they need mm-hmm. it reinforced to remind them that it's worth their time to read the next book. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. Yeah. Well, what about who should, I mean, how can you use your site and how shouldn't you use one of your sites? One yes. of your, uh, sites that you build with site arcade. So, uh, I mean, just some, some 
you know, uh, principles for any site. Um, the ways that you should use it are first and foremost, you want to get people to join your list, right? Because if a person only visits your website once, getting them to sign up for your list means that you can get them to take future actions maybe once per week, if that's how right. I can email, right? right? Second thing is buy your books, right? Mm -hmm. The the whole reason that your author persona exists in the world is to sell books. Mm -hmm. So that should be next. Third is um, is to attend your events. Now, online events or offline events, it could even be asynchronous events like you doing an Ask Me Anything or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, or a poll even, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is. The point is that uh, getting engagement is really important for authors because every every behavior that you get a reader to take invites them deeper and deeper into into your world mm -hmm. right um so engagement uh fourth is uh, you can get them to follow your your feeds you know your other social media feeds now you certainly on your website you don't want to direct them to every single place that you have a profile instead you want to direct them to the one or two places where you're active and you're very good at that platform. So Jamie TikTok that's that's you. Uh Sarah I'm not sure what your platform is probably Facebook, right? No, it's Instagram. Instagram. Perfect. Yes. All right. So, yes. so Instagram that's the one, right? Yeah. And you want to highlight the ones that you want them to go to, right? Because if they land on a you know if the, if you if they go to your LinkedIn, what good is that, right? You know. Um, uh, yeah, when you're somewhere you haven't been since like yeah. 2005 or something, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's I think it's really good practice to squat on social media accounts so that nobody takes your handle or things like that. But that doesn't mean you have to send people there, you know. Yeah. Um, fifth, and this is a really important one, is you can use your website to fill your inbox. And you know, you know that old chestnut: show me your inbox, and I'll show you your future. Right? It's like. <laughs> Everything, everything good that happens to you as an author is going to be because of an email. It's going to be because a super fan contacts you, and then you could then invite that fan to go evangelizing your behalf. It's going to be because an author wants to invite you to a box set. It's going to be because you know somebody wants to review your book in their in their next newsletter. Whatever it is, it's going to be through your inbox. So you want to make sure that it's easy for somebody to send you an email. Mm -hmm. um, last thing. Outreach. Um, so uh, I'm a huge proponent of having a press kit on your website and then actually using that press kit, sending it out to places where you want to appear, whether that's a podcast like this one or, um, or you know, a, a book review blog or anywhere else. Uh, press kits. Uh, so I worked at the Huffington Post for a while and press kits were the only thing that got you through the door with a, with a book blogger. They got plenty of indie books sent to them, but unless it was accompanied by a really compelling press kit, it didn't matter. But it did matter is what the point here is, right? You could, you could be there. You could be reviewed in Huffington Post or wherever else. Um, so so that's oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, tell us a little bit more about press kits, like what should be in it. Yeah. What should be in and it and what should be on it. Yeah. How, how those work. Sure. So um, a press kit, it basically has two components. One is going to be the press release, which is um, could be sort of an evergreen release. It's basically like a teeny tiny news article that um, that you write about yourself or about the most recent project that you put out. It's um, generally whatever is like, you know, special about what you have to offer is the thing that you want to highlight, right? Um, and then the second part is the press kit itself. And the press kit um, will uh, is always going to have uh, contact information, uh, you know, URLs to um, your different social media platforms. It's going to have uh, your representation if if you're represented. It's going to have your books and all of the ISBNs that go along with it. Sounds weird, but it's but it's one of the things that go there. And then the other really important thing that the media expect is um, your brand assets in multiple formats. So, for instance, your headshot in many many different sizes, so they can just 
copy and paste it somewhere else. Your bio in many different sizes, because if they're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, put you in a catalog somewhere, maybe they just need a three, three liner, or maybe they want a full, full bio because they're going to use it to report on you. Right. Um, Same thing with uh, if you have, um, you know, a a logo icon, uh, font choices, color palette, you want to put those little uh, HTML Mm -hmm. hex codes in there, all of that stuff that would make it easy for them to, um, you know, if they were going to write an article about you and they wanted to pass it along to their designer to make the the banner image, right? They would mm-hmm. want those colors, easy access. They would definitely want your headshot, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so having all that stuff in place, you only have to do it once and, you know, keep it up to date every now and then. The Sidercade press kits, by the way, auto-generate themselves in both mm-hmm. HTML and PDF formats. That's coming uh, sometime later <laughs> this year. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, point being is that the press kits are very easy to put together, even if you don't have site arcade and they're very, very useful when doing outreach. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's, that's it, stuff I hadn't even thought of. Yeah. And it's lots of things that, like you said, it, you don't have to go update them all the time, Mm-mm. but once they're there, if somebody needs them and I'm thinking like, for me, if I have all my codes for my colors and stuff, I do have them somewhere, but it's like, I have to dig them out. And if they're, oh, they're on this site right here, that would be. Very efficient, (laughs) much more efficient than my system. Right, right. Yeah, I guess that's the reason I'm not famous yet. (laughs) (laughs) Except in my own mind. There you go. I uh, probably need to get on that because, yeah, I don't have one. Yeah, and, you know, I think that it's, I think, so uh, where I I got on this train was actually uh, Your A-Game by uh, Damon Swade and Heidi Cullinan. It's a fantastic Mm -hmm. book, but... the thing that's most fantastic about it is that it is that it points authors to the places that they never thought to look in terms of branding, promotion, marketing, stuff like that. So uh, I, I honestly, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. And, um, uh, and I think that uh, more to the point here is that just because uh, we're indie authors doesn't mean that we can't behave like we're traditionally published. Okay. We can't forget that there are many benefits to the TreadPub system. Not that you have to get entangled in it, but that you could learn from it, right? right. That you could bring those tactics into our side of the world. Right. Right. Yeah. So how would you recommend people put like, like if you, like you were saying, you need a list of books for your ISBNs, like if that's a really long list and some of these things are pretty, like could be big, would you recommend like a link that they can download a PDF or something like that? Yeah. I mean, so. Uh, or just uh, one document with all the information. It's, you know, the thing is, is that if you, if you organize it well, it could, the ISBNs could just be the last page in your mm. press kit or at the very end of your press kit in term, you know, an HTML format. Okay. Um, or, you know, how, how we do it is, um, I mean, I know, I know that our press kits aren't out yet, but we actually fold the ISBNs behind the covers. So you just, so they can grab the ISBN, you know, it sort of oh. pops out. Um, so you could do things like that. I know that, nice. you know, that's a little bit out there, but um uh, but yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it because if, if somebody is clicking on the link to your press kit, they know what to expect when they get there. Right. Okay. All right. Nice. Sounds good. All right. That's, yeah, that sounds great. I love that. Yeah. Well, this has been great. And you've just given us so much information, so many things to work on and think about. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we always like to ask, what is the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success? It can be anything. Uh, as, a, as an author or as a... As, either, either a human one. being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> either one, whatever okay. comes to mind. Yeah. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll give you this one. Um, okay. So uh, the thing that I think has really helped me uh, both in terms of being an indie author and in terms of site arcade and pretty much everywhere else in life is um, 
being willing to dive deep into whatever I need to learn. So mm-hmm. reading, reading really good books on the topic, uh, experimenting, getting feedback from people who know th- that topic better than I do and continuing that cycle and then going back and looking for new resources and mm-hmm. going over and over and over again until I, until I figure out what's, what good looks like and how I can, how I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I mean, as authors, it's, we're constantly learning, right? We're constantly evolving. And I think that it's really important to lean into it rather than trying to circumvent the learning process, because that's where you're going to find your greatest successes. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you also ask the hard questions um, always, you know, <laughs> you you question the premise. And I love that too, because then you get to, you really do get to the heart of things. And I like, I, I appreciate that about you. Plus, you surround yourself with really good friends. I, I do. <laughs> I really do have the best friends. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Oh, my gosh. That's been uh, so, so great. Before you go, though, let us ask you, what do you see coming um, in the indie world? You know, there's a, I, I did a lot of thinking about this question, and there's two things that I think are really exciting. One that I see is that I think that we're really close to AI writing assistants. So there's this app that I used the other day called PseudoWrite. I'm sure mm-hmm. it'll be in the show notes. It's um, it's a really really cool tool. You basically you can write write in it, and then you could ask the the AI to give you suggestions based on what part of the process that you're in. So you could you could do brainstorming. It'll suggest you know characters that match with the kinds of characters that you already have in your book. You can invite it to expand um, dialogue sections or expand descriptions. Really cool, fun to try. And then the other thing that I think is coming is that recently I saw some really great uh, image generation AI um, oh. that that's come out. That I think that the next the thing that we're going to see in a couple of years is we're going to see audiobook visualizations like there used mm. to be for music, except it's going to be oh with images goodness. that actually show you what what the book could look like. Right. So yeah. uh, two other links. If you look at um, yeah. OpenAI's Dal E website, or if you look at Google's Imogen website, yeah, uh, they, um, uh, you can play around with their algorithm and you could see how text is transformed into images. And it's very, very easy to imagine that if you don't feel like, you know, cleaning uh, the living room while you're listening to your <laughs> audiobook, that you could just watch these sort of like images of, of the book come to life right in front of you. So, um, so those two things, I think that they're coming very soon. And if they aren't, I think that somebody should build them because yeah. <laughs> well, you know, in your spare time, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. You're very futuristic. Sarah and I are not futuristic. No. We, neither one of us are uh, very high when it comes to futuristic. So uh, yeah, but that's really fascinating that, stuff yeah. to think about. And mm-hmm. yeah, I hadn't even thought about the visualization for audiobooks, but Mm-mm. that makes total sense. Yep. I mean, if nothing else, like play around with them on the websites, they're just, it's just amazing to see what, what the, what the world is going to be like in the next couple of years. It's exciting times. Yeah, it is. It is. So Mike, tell us where people can find you and when, where they can find Side Arcade. Sure. So, uh, you know, pop over to Side Arcade at sidearcade.com and try the demo. It's free and there's no time limit. So uh, even if you just want to, you know, generate a website to see what it could look like and then play around with it, totally fine. If you want, you could put in J.K. Rowling or James Patterson. 
So many people do that. Try it. <laughs> you know, see what see what our software does. It's fun. And like, even if you're not ready for a website today, which maybe maybe you might be, but even if you're not, it's good to know what your options are for you know when your hosting plan expires or something like right. that. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's site arcade s i t e a r c a d e dot com. Exactly. Yep. Very good. Very good. Mm. All right. Well, thanks for being here. It's been nice. great. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. And if you ever want me back on to talk about website stuff, I would happily be here. We will save all of our website questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we will have all those links at wishiknownthempodcast.com. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and to Adriel Williams for doing the admin. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.